Hello, Canada and the rest of the world, and welcome once again to the Netflix podcast, the show where we review the movies available to stream on Netflix in Canada. I'm your host, Dylan Clark Moore, and today we're going to be talking about, well, not a movie. We're going to be talking about a comedy special, but we'll get into that shortly. Before we do get into things, I do want to issue a few warnings about this episode. First of all, I normally warn about spoilers, but instead I'll say it's possible that we're going to ruin a few punchlines. So uh, please, make sure to watch Make Happy before you give a listen. Or don't, I don't care, live your best life. Also, as always, we do keep the explicit tag on this show in case of things getting a little bit cussy. Now that I've said my piece, let's get into it. It's been a few months in the making, but I'm so excited to finally be sitting down with my friend, stand-up comedian and comedy writer, Kevin Avram. Welcome, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks very much, Dylan. Tell a joke. No, don't. No. Right? This is what I was afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> well, instead- That intro alone, I mean, yeah. That's the joke right there. Those are heavy quotes. It's just that you couldn't see him doing it when he introed me with the stand-up comedian- is how you should pronounce <laughs> and comedy writer, like in the making, I guess. I am basically the Pinocchio to my destiny's Geppetto. <laughs> you did not think through that metaphor before saying it. Oops. Ha cha cha. All right. Oh, that's Cut fine. that part out. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I'd like you to break the ice for me the way that we always do and tell me what kind of shit have you been watching on Netflix recently? By the way, swearing is totally on the table in case that wasn't abundantly clear oh thank fudging goodness i uh on netflix i've been watching like honestly i i'm just a a dope for comedies and ridiculousness so like i don't know mike tyson's mysteries had a few new episodes um Bob's Burgers, like I'm rewatching for the second time, you know, like you know, I I I'm not so much. I just watched Doctor Strange for the first time last night, as in like this is a movie, which like you know, it's not. It's it was the same thing I've seen. It's it's mystical Iron Man. It was not that great. So like Netflix has been disheartening for me because it's either I'm really into something. Or, like, I get bored through it so quick. Uh, Dirk Gently, I guess, season one. That was that was intriguing. And then I saw the first episode of season two, and I haven't watched it since. I just, I don't know. But I'm a comedy dude. Love, <laughs> love me some laughs. That's That's my thing. Well, speaking of comedy and Netflix, since this is a Netflix original comedy special, what we're going to be yeah. talking about today is from the year 2016 from directors Bo Burnham and Christopher Storer. We're going to be talking about Bo Burnham's comedy special, Make Happy. So let's let's take a look at how Netflix introduces these specials, and maybe we can choose which one we like better. Okay. Spoiler alert, I don't really like either. First, when you hover over the title, it says, Symphonic, honest, primed for the spotlight. He's here to spill a bright comic mess on a dark world. Ugh. I mean, like, yeah, that sounds like if it was 
Bo Burnham opening for the Avengers or something like that. That is a pretty epic take on the whole. He's just doing a thing. We'll get into this later, <laughs> but like, wow, that's also, a lot. <laughs> it's also like explicitly what he says he's not doing in the intro. He's like, <laughs> yeah, the world is not funny. And yeah, he like he he specifically and, says as his mission statement, like it's not my job to make this place better. <laughs> but at the but. same time, it is called Make Happy, which does shine the light on the bleak world. Again, we'll get into we'll this, get into but it. I we'll think that sure. yeah, it's worth noting. When you click on the title, the description changes to combining his trademark wit and self-deprecating humor with original music. Bo Burnham offers up his unique twist on life in this stand-up special. Again, this sounds like an Amazon product review of of what the special actually is like but that being said have you really uh, of all the episodes you've done have you found a description that fits it so perfectly yeah like you I know mean, what i mean like, yeah sometimes there's there been sometimes like we feel good about yeah okay that's a reasonable hook and that's going to get somebody interested in it okay um, like a hook is one thing but like are you are you asking me how I feel about the description of the like what would if you just read those and you didn't know about Bo Burnham would you True. watch either of those I guess is what I'm asking. That's just a world I've never lived in. <laughs> like, to be I live honest. in a world with trailers. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Make Happy is also described by Netflix as being both witty and cynical, both of which I would certainly agree with. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I always start off by asking why. Uh, why my guest has picked what they did to come and talk about. I kind of led a little bit with this because before I'd actually even seen you do stand-up, I was like, hey, I would like... I've never done it before. I've written some reviews of stand-ups, of stand-up specials before, like Anthony Jeselnik's most recent. Sure. Um, but I've never done one on the podcast. And I realized that I've never heard anybody really talk about a particular stand-up special before. It's I think mm. maybe because it's a spoken word thing, it's kind of... It feels weird to talk about stand-up comedy, but I figured if anybody could hang and and do it, then it would be you. So I kind of asked, like, is there any sort of special that maybe means something to you as a comic, as a comedian, that you you feel like you can actually have a conversation about? And, like, within a second, you were like, yes, Bo Burnham, make happy. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, honestly, like, so if you're, uh, I mean, this thing is a Netflix podcast and what you were talking about before is like it doesn't really feel like a movie or a film or or whatever like like it's not a character progression it is a stand-up special at its core but I just felt like he did something so different and for me personally like one of my favorite things ever is sort of that meta comedy like commentary on the art itself and Make Happy is nothing if not a commentary on performance and celebrity and just, like, our ideals of, like, what drives us to do these things. Like, for example, we, we you and I were talking about a while ago, you had said, uh, you know, I, I just do a podcast and I don't know how many people listen to it, nor do I care and you have that kind of stigma. Of, Not that I'm ungrateful to. No, the, no, to uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> thank you so much for validating. Me. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, like you said last time, like all dozen of you are great <laughs> or whatever. But like, that's the thing. It's like anybody's art form. You you said the the words that I remember you saying was what makes you feel like your voice should be heard. What makes your podcast so special? 
right? And that could honestly be applied to any art form. Why would you paint a picture? What are you, a Picasso? Like, why would you ever do stand-up? You're not a George, George Carlin or whatever. Like, it's, it's the same sort of idea. You do it because you're passionate about it. And I think that this special shows both the light and the dark side of that sort of want in ourselves to perform. Like, there are so many more people now who want to perform for one reason or another, in one way or another. And I think it just really resonated with me. And uh, as a more modern thing, was was something worth talking about. It seems to always be the case on these podcasts that we end up talking about the ending before we talk about anything else. But, sure. but like that last... Well, I, not even the last segment, like the last on stage segment, like where he's doing the Kanye thing, mm-hmm. where he's doing his. I don't. I don't know what the name of that like that that bit is. Yeah. I think there's like a, a name that he calls it by, but where he talks about like where he sits. It's to, the or, burrito. It, it's the burrito. Well, thing. yeah. Sorry, I guess it's right before the burrito bit where he sits down. And he just like he has this oh, like this moment sorry, of sincerity yeah. where he like he says like he it's, specifically addresses the fact that like. I am from a generation that has been told since birth that it's deserving of attention and it's Mm -hmm. been told that like if you perform people will notice but the problem is that we have literally everybody doing it and we're all doing it in this like vacuum to each other on social media and the part that like I don't want to say that it like gutted me but it like spoke to me as somebody who hosts like a podcast like Mm -hmm. and I, I joke about it but like I genuinely do sometimes feel like it's like the most masturbatory form of expression that you can have is like asking people to listen to you talk for an hour or two like I think there's something really self-serving in that but the thing that he ends up coming away from it as a comedian as a stand-up comic who got famous on YouTube originally everything that he has in terms of like financial and creative success has come from seeking this validation from strangers through digital media he came out from it or at least his the on the onstage persona that he's presenting he comes away f- from it just saying if you can live your life without performing for other people do it and i was just like oh well man yeah he says that but does he like fully commit to that like the whole thing is a dynamic he never really states that one is better than the other i think that when he's saying you know if you can live your life without performing for other people he's not talking about your job or your aspirations or your dreams if you want to be a musician or a stand-up comedian or a podcaster or whatever yet his whole uh, sentiment before that one of my favorite lines he ever says is that social media is the response from the market to a generation that demanded to perform and he says it so clearly and distinctly there that like yeah the reason why we have so many forms of social media is because we demand an audience and when he takes that artifice away in that moment it really that that breaks everything and that's another one of those moments of why i picked this special because i've not seen something like that happen and someone just go so real like something like I, I i'm sure it has happened before there have been like you know anti-comedy comics there's andy kaufman there's like you know people who like always push the bar and just do weird things but to to 
break it all down and say, let's get rid of the artifice. Let's talk to one another. Can I see your faces? And then he crouches down and tries to get as much on their level as he can. But he still can't, which is part of it. That's the whole bit about his burrito. Like he, That might seem like a joke, but the whole, I wouldn't get lettuce if I didn't know it wouldn't fit. If I wouldn't get the onions if I didn't know it would fit. That is still a metaphor for his fame. And for him to break it down and go so hard and so deep that everyone goes silent and then still make it funny at the end. He's just like, it was, he's like, you think I can just come back from that point, a really drastic drop in the, in the special or whatever he says. And then he's nah, 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 Batman. <laughs> and he does it. it. What he says he cannot do, he proves that you can do. So you can't really trust any thing that he does in it. And that's his point. That's what I really think the thesis yeah, is. And I mean, like, I I appreciate that, and I appreciate that he comes back from that. But I mean, from that point on, for me, I just like I was haunted by what he said because it just like it rang so true for me. Like I'm somebody who is perpetually performing, right? Like if there's one thing that I say about myself that I say like half jokingly, but I know that it's true, and I know that other people know this true, is that I just like I demand attention <laughs> from any situation that I'm in, and I know that I'm in this like perpetual state of performance, and you know this. Mm-hmm this kind of like persona that I create in my day-to-day life and on this podcast and in, in pretty much everything that I do, like I, him saying that and him calling that out was just like, it was so true and so real. And for me, it was more that I was like, it it seemed to me that he acknowledged that that is true about himself, but he was like, but I don't know how to stop. So here's a joke. And then here's a final musical number. And he was like, I like, this is true, but also like, it's still me. This is still who I am. This is still the the attention that I need. So I'm going to keep doing it because I don't know how to do anything else. Like it was advice for other people that if you can live your life better than how I am doing, please do it. But I don't know how to stop. Uh, yeah. And honestly, one of the things that you have to keep in mind, especially about that special, he would have been about 26 or so. He, he, yeah, he would have been 26. He says in the thing that he was born in 1990. So he is, you know, five years younger than me. And I, I knew people like him, like you, and I was someone like him, just a drama kid, some, someone who, you know, I never really got math or science although I was interested and wanted to do something like that the you know school said here you can learn these sort of tasks you can perform and that's what I really wanted and not saying that everyone everyone wants that version of it but I can see that you know a lot of myself in in this this guy and I think that's why like it really meant a lot to show how just an average guy can be put into this this whole position because obviously performing like we were saying is like so important to so many of us i don't know how many of your listeners are performers or or whatever but to some degree if you're posting on facebook about some niche like thing that you love and whatever you're still looking for reactions and likes and affirmation of what 
you yourself are that's still a performance though you know Mm -hmm. like and and that's what he points that out versus celebrity and that's another point that i think we should touch on is celebrity and how he shows that we just sort of worship these people like you know kylie jenner spills some pringles on her salad and suddenly she gets 70 million likes and you know and he even said like i'm just farting out jokes and you're all in front of me he's saying i don't deserve this and yet i'm doing this and this is my job the difference is that i'm overpaid Yeah. yeah yeah it seems like you and i had pretty different like visceral reactions to this special and i don't want to necessarily focus on like me and my own insecurities or everything anything but like ultimately you seem to have come away from it more inspired maybe not necessarily like directly in the moment but like i don't know when like basically the the task that i gave you was can you come up with a special that was important to you mm. as a stand-up comic mm-hmm. and like without hesitation you came to this so do you find that that this is something that you're just like, okay, this is somebody doing something with this art form that I hadn't thought of before or. Honestly. Yeah, no, no. I I know what you're trying to ask. And um, to speak to that, I'd say that um, I've always personally, my, my two favorite things have always been comedy about comedy and music. Tim Minchin Weird Al was like my my first concert ever. I was nine years old and I saw Weird Al change my life. I was like the biggest Weird Al fan. I still am. Uh, whatever. He's just he's just the best. Um, but like musical comedy always has this sort of stigma around it that like it's not legit stand up and you know it's hacky or anyone could do it sort of thing. But the only ones that you hear about, like even guys like Dimitri Martin, who, you know, doesn't maybe use music as the forefront of his act, but uses it to give his one liners or like whatever it is. And so has good songs, whatever. It's always inspired me to use my two loves, my my love of comedy and my love of music. So I've always aspired to something like this. And um, he just, he said it better than I could have and had the resources to do it better than I could have. I mean, the kid started when he was like 16, right? So, you know, he he was killing it on YouTube. I remember watching him when I was in college thinking like, "This, this guy's dope. And I'm so about him because it's actually inspiring. He's, he's my Justin Bieber, Dylan. Do you understand this? (laughs) I've got... Bo Bieber fever, or whatever you would call it. Bo Burnham we, we gotta be Furnum, able to something. furnace. What? No, not good. Let's no. edit out all this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, so, uh, so yeah. I do want to talk about how he does what he does because I I make reference to this all the time, and I'm 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 just like woefully unread when it comes to like visual media in general. Like I have no business hosting this podcast, but it's my podcast, so I make the rules. <laughs> But I haven't ever seen an act like this one before. Like exactly, yeah, exactly like this. Because it's like it's like I've seen musical comedy before. I've seen people who tell their jokes through song. I've seen that. Mm. I haven't seen somebody bounce around between a variety of different styles with a variety of different instruments, a variety of different like audio visual techniques 
to be able to make all of this come together and happen in the way that he does. And I was really impressed by that. Not the least of which because of I mean like stand-up comedy is usually such like a personal act like it's such a personal art form in that you you go up and you tell your joke I mean like yeah you're interacting with the audience but it's one person interacting with the audience Mm -hmm. with him doing things the way that he's doing them he's putting a lot of trust in whoever is you know hitting the buttons and yeah it's definitely an act and yeah and I mean like putting the time in and everything and like making sure that that joke lands and making sure that all the timing is absolutely perfect and making Mm -hmm. sure all the special effects and the wind cannons and everything go off at the same time and even though and it's amazing too because he spends such so much of the time when he's on stage saying like no 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 this is about me but it's not it's not about him like the the craft involved in what he's doing is I mean, there's at least one other person who is making all of that happen. He might be like, he's obviously instrumental in planning it, but that's a team effort. Oh yeah. And I thought that that was, that was really interesting to see that like, you can't like you could not, and I'm not calling you out, but I'm saying like, you could not do this on like a Tuesday night at an open mic. You can't do what he just did. That's the thing. He, he calls out the artifice throughout the entire act. And that's what makes it so good. Like there's the time where the cannons go off and he says like, that costs $200 for that one bit. (laughs) Like, what was that? Like a one minute bit that he did and the cannons go off and he says, I could have given that to a homeless person. (laughs) But no, guess what? I didn't because, (laughs) sorry to break your mic, but yeah, but that's, that's his whole thing. Like throughout, he starts the entire special with a robot voice drilling into you the fact that the world is not funny and to me at least this this whole reason of doing this is to like that's your every day that every day and you come to see a comedian to make you happy to to laugh a little bit because in the time that you're hearing some jokes and you're paying attention to one guy's ridiculous opinion or like clever wordplay, you are invested in that. And you're not thinking about your kids at home or you're not thinking about the time that you, you know, messed up really hard, whatever it is. You're taking yourself out. And Bo Burnham's whole make happy is really showing you the art of how to produce comedy and i think that's one of the you know the the main driving forces again about why i like it is it's it's about the production it's about something that uh makes you feel different and he plays with it the whole time though he's like the puppet master like you say he's like oh it's all about me but he'll like purposefully go to the keyboard and then come back and be like, no, I'll keep you on your edge. <laughs> and then he'll like make that seem really stupid. Everything he does is a meta commentary about comedy itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it takes you back to the like that ending piece is really we, we should end with that whole breakdown. But like everything from. When he talks about uh, one of my favorite bits in this is the country music song. Oh, my God. Right. But at the same time, as much as he's like shitting on 
country music like pop stars who've never worked a day in their life and won't move into the towns that he sings about that he's still putting himself on blast for the same shit he's like i'm not gonna relate to you guys about you know air airline food or this and that and and then when he tries he does the pringles can thing this is at the end he he goes to the pringles can and he exaggerates that to the hell out of it and he does a good job of it and you laugh but then he goes really hard <laughs> into the burrito bit which should be a funny regular stand-up bit but the music and like you said everything that he puts into it you couldn't just do that in stand-up because it's it makes it daunting it makes it like weirdly melancholy the entire time yeah i want to speak to that i want to speak about how he uses music because Mm -hmm. a ton of the time leading up to the finale and i say the finale being the kanye bit yep most of the time when he is using music he's often using the music to take the piss out of whatever style of music or whatever style of presentation he's talking about like with the pandering song for instance like the the country music pandering thing that's the only thing from the special i had seen before i sat down and watched this special sure because that had been shared on facebook and 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 whatnot it's just too great it's so so good good and it's just like he i mean what makes it amazing is that he's analyzed this style of music enough that he's able to take the elements from it he's able to he's able to construct the thing that he's criticizing being constructed and prove to you that all of this is fake all of this is artificial and it's incredible Mm -hmm. but then when you contrast that to the finale and maybe it doesn't need to be contrasted maybe it needs to be compared anyway in that finale the finale seems so much more authentic and sincere that he's just Mm -hmm. like He's proven to us all along that he can do different styles of music. He knows that he can adopt those different styles. He can adopt those different mannerisms of these different styles of music. And he can be like, and I can perform the fuck out of them for you and show you how fake everything is. But then he adopts this like Kanye style Mm -hmm. where there's just like 18 beams of light shining on his head. And it really seems like you're watching a person fall apart in front of you. It resonates. And you're not sure, like, is he making fun of Kanye or is he having this genuine moment where he's just put all of this so much attention on his own ego and his own personality that it has no choice but to crumble in front of you on the stage? Dude, the best part about that whole bit is that it's both because he spends his whole time telling you how entertainers and celebrities manipulate you into feeling something. Again, harkens back to the name Make Happy. But the whole thing is about how he will, and and everyone like him, will change your mind in a show. And so when he's doing that thing, he's like, he, he destroys the artifice and breaks it down. And it's just real. And that's just him. And like I said before, he's still elevated above the audience, even though he's crouching. He's still above it. This is him being real and warning you about what's to come and at the same time saying it's he's not negating the art form he's not saying that people shouldn't perform he's not saying that you shouldn't express yourself because right after that he talks about Kanye doing this and now I'm gonna try it but he does it from his own personal experience 
mixes it with a bit of burrito metaphor and this and that, but comes out, yeah, making this really hard piece that when you listen to it all together, that ending, he mixes his life and his celebrity and, you know, talking to the man making your burrito who just said, yeah, 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 I'll put it all in there. That's the, you know, the companies and the people promising you celebrity, people promising you celebrity. That's just them saying, yeah, we we can package this up for you and you'll be able to be this and you'll be fulfilled, you'll be healthy, you'll be rich. But sure enough, the onions didn't fit, the lettuce didn't fit. This is all the stuff spilling out of him right now. That's why I love that bit so much. This is about him combining the everyday comedian, hard quotes were used there, everyday comedian with his own personal insight and his longing and desire to say something real. And when it, again, when he took off those lights saying like, I want to be real. I want to say who I am and express this, but I'm afraid that, you know, audiences aren't going to like it and that, you know, my manager is going to cut me off and I won't get enough shows. Like that's basically what he's saying. I have a contract to make you happy rather than to do this, this whole spiel, this whole bit. Right. So as, as fun as this has all been so far, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's get into the Jesus fucking Christ. I introduced you like, here's this real funny comedian that I know. Super funny comic. Um, Remember what you said about jerking off? Uh, It's funny. Think about that though. He does say that at the beginning. He does like some jerk off joke. He does the jerk. He like, says, "Yeah." On the one hand, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's which is legit a great joke, but then he dismisses it hard. That's his whole thing. He's like, "Yeah," the, he knows that that's gonna get a laugh, but the way he walks away from the microphone at that point is honestly heartbreaking. But it, it's but it's like it's smug at the same time. He's just like, "Yeah, I did it." It I could did be the a thing. drop the mic I, thing. <laughs> And I think he wants you to question it. Like, again, that's the, it's, it's a very yin yang sort of fucking contrast. Yeah. And I mean, like, this is, this is the first, I mean, I've always, not always, because fuck, obviously not always. Remember Um, when you were two and you were watching. You know, when you're two and you're thinking, stand up -up comedy is art. (laughs) I remember. I said that in the grocery store. Everybody clapped. Yeah. It was amazing. Finally, Uh, someone said it. (laughs) It had to take a two-year-old. The Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. There's no question to me that stand-up comedy is art, and I know, like, actually, our like our country's government is working towards like honoring that and like respecting stand-up comedy as an art. Like, there was a petition recently that went around, like, yeah. asking for like grants and things to be yeah. to be given to stand-up comedians. And I mean, like, this is this is the first time I watched a special where I was like. It was just, it was clear to me that, like, this person is doing something genuine and artistic. This person isn't, I don't mean to dismiss the art of joke telling, but this person is taking the formula of what is traditionally thought of as being possible within this, this, this art form, and they're doing something different with it. Like, I thought that this is, this is just, like, a really special thing. Absolutely. But also, (laughs) I, I had a lot of fun with this special up until the burrito thing and then from from the burrito on 
it just shook me. Yeah, because we haven't really it's, talked about the ending, ending right? Because yet. we've talked about like the Kanye Which I think thing we as being do at the ending, ending. Right. Ending. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what else you might want to be no. adding into, but or if there's anything that we haven't touched on yet before we move into the ending. Okay. But okay. is there is are there like other bits or anything that you want to talk about before we? I mean, I just love like everything he does. Again, breaking down the art form. One of my favorite things was the improv, or heavy quotes on improv again, <laughs> just because like I've I've tried that I I love Im- a good improv and you know it gets people into it and whatever, but he breaks down how fucking stupid and pre-recorded that really is and can be. I've done improv songs before. I will admit this. I've and I've tried musical comedy and and this and that. I've I've experimented a lot in my eight years of of just being myself on stage, trying lots of different voices, trying to do things. And I loved again doing parodies, but then everyone's like, "You're just weird out," or doing improv. You're just Wayne, well, White Brady. You're and like all these things about the stipulations of that but i i would try improv and you can't do it well unless you have prepared shit like there that's just sort of fucking what do you call it like uh shadow wizard, the glass wizard or whatever, of Oz. Yeah. yeah yeah you know look behind the curtain sort of shit but like every every improv music act you've ever seen has some point of preparedness whether it's freestyle rap, yeah, get at me with your gats. But point is, yeah, he, he even breaks that down with the whole thing. Like, what's your name? Rob. And that's all he uses in it. <laughs> right. It's perfect. That's like one of my favorite bits just because I'm like, yep, you got me. Like, like, there's <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's improv, but it's not. Not at all. And right. it takes away everything from it. Yeah, he's not, he's by no means afraid to just... I mean, like, as somebody who doesn't, like, I don't do what you do. I don't do stand-up comedy. Sure. And to see that and to see somebody, like, going so meta with it, like, and meta to the point where he, he uses the word it. meta in his act and he talks about bits and he talks about jokes and he deconstructs it while he's doing it and he says, you know, things like, you know what, I'm not going to give you, uh, no, I'm not going to accept the applause on this one. I'm going to stop at the punchline and I'm going to walk away and we're not going to see how that one was going to yep. go. We're just going to stop right here. Or he said, if you appreciate that joke, give me some silence. And then the crowd goes completely dead and you're like, is this actual silence? Are they confused? Yeah. And even like the very, like he sets you up with it so well. Like the very first joke of the special is not a joke because it's setting up like he's about to tell the first joke before he tells the second joke before he tells the third joke like you know the typical structure that we have but like the very first thing that we hear is this robotic voice as you mentioned before saying yeah you know the world is not funny and then you're expecting a joke and he says 12 percent of the world's population does not have access to drinkable water and the audience laughs because they're expecting to laugh like they're yeah and they're 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 nervous about it and but it's not even like a nervous laughter they're just like in this moment i am supposed to i am supposed to laugh and then they kind of like peter out because they're like yeah oh wait (laughs) that's not actually i'm i'm following the pattern without actually paying attention to what i'm hearing there well he does that and then obviously does the uh guy fury runs two working restaurants or whatever there's like all that but then there's a dude sitting on stage hyping up and then he walks off and bo burnham just walks out like a regular dude he you know the dude sitting in the hood with with all the um 
lights on him. That wasn't Bo Burnham. He's already broken the artifice from the moment that he comes out. Then he grabs it and starts doing the whole like crowd work of like, when I say this, you say that sort of thing, right? And he leads them in to just like uh, his first bit about like, no, that's actually kind of a, uh, a broad perspective and we should really look more into the uh, details of this subject. <laughs> say that. It's like, what? No, uh, he, he messes with people and like their expectations the entire time. And there's not one moment in that whole spot. Like, definitely check out, um, if you liked Make Happy and that was your first time ever seeing him, check out, uh, what was the other one? What? What. Yeah, it's just called What with a period. And that's great, right? But there's a reason why Make Happy really made this impact on me. What is him performing? And really, that's, that's Bo Burnham, like, being ridiculous Bo Burnham just being this kid it's awesome but make happy said something that I never expected him to say and uh should we should we talk about the very ending I don't mean like it's like you can't do it if you don't do it well and if you don't Mm -hmm. dissect the thing and try to figure out how to do it properly like the fact that he's adjusting his own levels in that final bit like he's down there with that pedal and you think Mm -hmm. Originally, like, yeah, you're down there to connect with the audience, but he also has this instrument that he's playing that shows that, like, he yeah. has taken apart this this musical style enough. I'm not saying that he's, like, a master of it because I, I mean no disrespect to the people who have actually, like, of taken course. a lot of time to master yeah. these things. But he's taken the time to, to do it enough to be able to use that art form to express something genuine in himself, which is how I'm going to bridge the conversation into being mm. about happiness in general because mm. ultimately... This comedy special is yeah. one of the biggest fucking bummers I've ever experienced in my life, and I can't it's, let you go without talking about I, that. Yeah, no, I, and I agree. When you ask me, you know, what's a comedy special that, like, resonates with that you? That made you feel worse I about did humanity. Say that. No, I, I, I did. You, you've been saying this, that um, I came up with Make Happy because it's maybe one of the only... I, I could probably, if I... Put more effort into it think of more but <laughs> but Dylan, i'm not only... willing to bring a lot of effort to this. oh no, no no this is a fucking canadian netflix podcast this is i'm not... not bringing my a material to this <laughs> no i wasn't gonna do research into my own emotions here <laughs> but <laughs> it was something that honestly when it, the first time i saw it i was tearing up a bit at the end when he just leaves that door um, I just didn't know how to feel. And, like, no, he doesn't have that family. Like, he was with a woman and a child on a white picket fence sort of thing. He just left towards that. I don't okay. know his life. And he's asking you about happiness and the yeah, whole time. And, okay, so let me, if if you can indulge me for a second. The most amazing thing about this special is that it doesn't end with the comedian leaving the stage. I mean, like, I've had a great time all the way along. There's no question of that. Like, this has been a very incredible stage production that you have presented me with. Thank you, Bo Burnham. But then he leaves the stage, and I don't know if it's actually how he did it, like if he did it live or if there was a camera cut that I didn't notice. But definitely that. He puts your he, he puts the knowledge of that when he says, do you know what a continuity error is? Sure. It's like one <laughs> shot's like this, and then uh, is like right. that. And he's, like, not wearing his sweater anymore. Yeah. He 
you know that live show was way more special than we'll actually get to experience but just another little the, side right. point but go on but Sorry. i mean like there are there are a lot there are a lot of specials that i've seen that have like have you know this layer of artifice to them and that it's just like okay it's different for you as a live audience member than it is for the person who's watching the special afterwards and i'm thinking I mean, the only example that's coming to mind is, uh, did you watch the Chelsea Peretti special that she did? It was about a year ago. No, I didn't. Where see that. she would tell a joke, and then occasionally she would cut to the audience, and there would be like... Thinking, are you was, thinking of Maria Bamford? No, 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 because I haven't oh, seen the Maria Bamford one. She's there, done something like that, there, there, There's a Chelsea... Oh, shit, no, no, I actually know, yeah, yeah. Where, where, she cuts to, where, where she cuts to either a pre-recorded or a post-recorded, like, reaction in the audience from, like, this clearly, like, planted character just sitting in, like, a theater reacting in a way where I think, like, fuck, there were, like, dogs yeah. in the audience at one point. Yeah. Like, there's there's something to be said for playing with the medium. Mm-hmm. And and showing you something that the the live audience wouldn't see, but like how Bo Burnham decides to end this special is to walk off stage and not go to an after party and not go anywhere else, but to go to still a keyboard, still this thing that he's used to express himself in both manufactured and genuine ways. But it's this little this little office that he's got for himself where he can just kind of like sit and say something that is no longer for the stage audience it's now it i mean the idea it's it's presenting is that it's for himself but it's it's you know it's for us i, well, I acknowledge the is, artifice of it. it like pay attention to the fact that um they have you can hear audience laughing in the background while he's performing this. until it cuts and off i don't immediately. well well no no when he walks out yes it cuts off but while he's performing the whole thing, like, are you happy? You can hear audience reacting to it in the background. And it's really for me because I wasn't a part of that live show. To me, it feels like, is this, did he go backstage and do his encore like that? Or was this just added in and post? We don't know. Well, Again, and- he brings the artifice like, harder at the end than he's had in the whole thing and manipulates you right at the end yeah and i mean i said manipulate manipulates so that's great anytime you can add the word nipple into a word is better than not working the word that's what i've always nipple said (laughs) (laughs) so at least the way that i heard it there was an abrupt cut where all of a sudden i think you know we're in like quote unquote Bo Burnham's mind at this point that all of a sudden the sure. audience stops mm-hmm. and I am sure that I'm not the only asshole that feels this way but I mean like you know the feeling of you're no longer performing anymore and that attention is gone and then yeah. you're left with okay now I'm me mm-hmm. without this attention I'm not going to get this fix again so what do I do with the rest of myself and that's the that's the headspace that he's in when he's playing this thing for himself except for the fact that we have to acknowledge the fact that he's doing this for a camera in front of other people Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the question that he ends up asking himself is, through all of this, through all of this, everything that you're doing, all the performance that you're doing, every choice that you're making, every single thing that you're doing, are you happy? But then he kicks you square in the dick and says, what kind of fucking question is it to ask, am I exactly. happy? Yeah. And that was just, that was so hard to hear mm. because it's been very conscious on my mind lately is how, how much of my own life has been determined by like 
seeking happiness and how much of it has been built on just kind of just going through living what life is supposed to be. And for him to then follow that up and him to say, what kind of fucking question is it is, am I happy? And then he walks out of a stage door and he walks across to this white picket fence life, or mm. even if it's sure. not a picket fence, I mean, it honestly looks yeah, kind yeah. of like a trailer park boys start Definitely. a situation. Nuclear family like that. Well, it's, it, it's, it looked like, you know, a family. It's a wife and a child. And yeah. then and the he picked thi- them up and was loving. And it was a part of it. But that's the thing that that's the thing that I want to challenge is is what he's saying there is he saying once it's all said and done and once the audience starts clapping and once that audience is out of my mind i'm now stepping out into the real world putting heavy some quotes, heavy quotes around heavy that quotes. heavy quotes putting putting that around there and saying now i'm stepping back into the real world where i have genuine happiness and genuine fulfillment or is what he's saying once you step outside of the stage you step out into the real world and you realize that you are still performing and you are performing happiness for the people around you and you are performing happiness in order to maintain something that you're expected to appreciate. Honestly, again, I've said this a couple of times in this podcast and this is a great way to sum it up. The answer to your question is yes. Like (laughs) to both of those things. It's it's about like yeah you can find happiness here you can find the artifice there you can look at it you can break it down like I said his special is about showing you the falsities and sort of the glamour and on all the things that performers and celebrities do which he's not judging you for liking. In fact, that's what makes his living. So at one time he's saying, yes, be aware of the fact that your life is based on this and that or like or celebrity can be falsified and they're just regular people. And at the same time, he's also saying, yes, it's okay to kind of want and dream and look at people to aspire to and whatever but be aware of both sides and make a conscious decision of where your life is gonna go that's really what make happy is is he's saying there's everything here i'm just like you you're just like me you're just like beyonce you're just like Kevin Federline. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's Amazing. it's everything. It's everything. There is no right, there is no wrong. It's life and try to be happy because that's all we got. Is it even though? Is it even like try to be happy? Because you know, I thought it not... would be like really cool, like sitcom applause at the end of what I just said. No, bro, but I'm no, sorry. No, I'm it's sorry. Down. No. Now everything's <laughs> shambling down. Fuck, no. I'm just I'm just saying it's like he's not even just saying like pursue happiness because that's not what he's saying. Or at least I don't feel like that's what he's saying because like the last thing that he says in that song is what the fuck does it even he literally says yeah. or maybe I'm paraphrasing but like what the fuck does oh, yeah, it even sure. mean to say no, no, no. are you happy? And I'm not saying that he's saying pursue happiness. I'm saying that he's saying to question everything because everything is right, everything is wrong. Where are we? What are we really doing? 
That's all he's saying. It, the whole thing of make happy is a question from a performer in the only way that a performer could pose that question. What are we doing? How can we make ourselves happy? And he's very firm on the fact that he cannot fix the world, nor can any celebrity, nor should we pay attention to that if that's what makes us happy. If you're looking for answers to life from a 26-year-old stand-up comedian, you're probably looking in the wrong place. Exactly. What <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. Um, I don't know, man. I just, like, I can't do anything but appreciate what this guy did with the hour of my attention that he had. Exactly. Like, it yeah. was, it was genuine. I mean, for whatever it counts, for, like, me in my infinite douchiness and need for attention to say, like, this man took an hour on stage and he created art out of it. He did. He did. He created something that is challenging and entertaining. And I mean, like, what the fuck else are you going to do with your time if you're demanding people's attention on stage? Like, what more can I ask for an entertainer from that? And I also, I mean, like, like people, I guess, and this is like Wikipedia and IMDb trivia, but I mean, I guess people have asked him, like, after you did, like, the burrito bit and, like, everything that followed that, like, ultimately the question was, Bo Burnham, are you okay like, sure. are you yeah. doing all right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I guess his response to that was kind of like, no, 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 that wasn't me reacting that way. That was the character reacting that way. And I'm like, mm. I call a tremendous amount of horseshit on that because he a also followed. Okay. Because he also, like, he didn't he, like, take a break from touring and comedy after that? Like, you can't go, you cannot go to that place and acknowledge those kinds of truths about yourself and your own insecurities and everything. Sure, and, but at the same time, putting together a $10,000 show that, you know, is going to go on Netflix kind of warrants you a big break after you've toured with that show for a while. And blah, I'm blah, not blah. saying I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it. I'm saying that it is no, incredibly no, I, difficult to go to that kind of place. Or maybe I'm just more fragile than I, I let know, on. I don't know, man. I think but, that like writing comes from the heart and the best stuff comes from something that you want to express and he was just fortunate enough to be able to have the funds and the recognition to make something like that like he he talks about it in the um in the special and in other interviews where he says who am i to like say okay go follow your dreams like yeah if you want to be a performer like go follow your dreams do it he says no i come from a very privileged background i you know i didn't really have to struggle too much and i got very lucky and i'm still unhappy like i i have a lot of things going on like and you can't just think that this is something that oh it's destroying him or He's so done with it. He's like the Kurt Cobain of comedy or something. <laughs> like, no, he's he's fine. He's just expressing himself because, like, this is why I like this special. I feel a lot of these things, and if I could, I would express it in that way. If I had the resources, I would do that. And he says, like, you know what? With fucking ten thousand or more dollars, you can fucking do this. But who has that to make right. a show and and with agents and blah blah blah? And, right. You know, okay. It's all the salad that wouldn't fit. Well, okay. So I I do want to respond to that. It's just like for you personally, and it's weird for me to talk to you directly when I know that we're speaking to an audience. It's just like 
the last thing in the world that I want you to do in this moment is to feel like there are restrictions on what you can express. Like if you feel, if you yeah, yourself no. as like a comedian feel something genuinely, I want to make sure that you're not holding yourself no, back from sharing that me, with the I world. I do not. Good. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I do want to say into a microphone that I, I recently had the pleasure of watching Kevin perform live twice, once in an MC role and once in just like a in having like a feature role and this is just like a really fucking funny guy and if you get the chance to see kevin perform on stage it is a treat to experience and that i have paid money to see worse stand-up comics than kevin also that's on you though like to be honest i'm really i'm really no that that's (laughs) that's more of a comment on my fiscal irresponsibility than anything else for you just sure. Pay to get any of those chuckle knuckles out, right? Absolutely. I'll take what I can get whenever I can get it. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah, the point is I am I'm really excited for the fact that you're able to watch something like this and to not feel like fundamentally shaken, that you can come away from this and just be like, you know what, fuck, like this guy is doing it, this guy is doing the thing, and why the fuck can't I? Like that's <laughs> No, I mean, like honestly, man. I I don't want to be a bummer on this podcast, but like, it's he's so real, and this is something that I've gone through in my own personal life and my own performances and stand up and whatever. I need to figure out how to like get myself on a track that would even come close to being considered for uh uh agents and and blah, blah blah to do this i'm such on a low level that this just sort of shot a bit of realism into me to think that like and and i'm not saying give up on your dreams <laughs> and which is definitely what's going to come across here right but like give up on your dreams dog like it's not going to fucking happen like so oh that's the first time i swore tonight uh, whatever that's fine i've bleep I've... out the others please but the uh, the point is like like legit. It's so hard. I know so many dudes who work incredibly hard and are some of the funniest people I met. You're not gonna see them on Netflix. Again, I'm not saying give up on your dreams, but it's it's really tough, and you have to be smart about it. You have to understand. That it's not just about some agent discovering you or whatever. You have to put in time and effort and work and creativity and put it out there. And some people get lucky. My thing is, because stand-up comedy is such a different art form from creating music or, you know, just getting yourself involved with theater or whatever, stand-up comedy, you're in charge of yourself you write all your lines and you direct yourself everything that you get is for you which feels great and everything that you lose is from you which like should motivate you to do better but if you're working a 40 hour a week job and you you know you want to live just a regular decent life with the people that you love and that's where you get your happiness from then performance shouldn't really be as high up like look at what you really want my whole thing was I'm not going to grind I know like to be a stand-up comic you have to grind 
so much. You have to be at so many shows and really work on the same material over and over, as mind-numbing as it can be, and then get it great, and then get booked on some cool shows and really kill it. And that that feeling is awesome. And those who live for that feeling should totally do it. But those who just want to, you know, live and and do their things, they can't find their time for this. There's no bright side of this, uh, you know, yellow brick road. Like, honestly, there isn't. You have to put in everything or you won't get anything. It's, to, to it's kinda, brutal honestly. No, I mean it's like tonight on the <laughs> net on the flakes fucking podcast. bummer flakes yeah, podcast. Yeah. Bummer. But bummer. I mean like if if I can call this back yeah. to Whiplash, like that was a movie that fucking gutted me because as un you know, I, I think that there is a lot of artifice built into the idea that you have to give up your entire life in order to achieve greatness. I do. Th- I, I, I genuinely believe that, that I think that like you don't actually have to give up everything in order to get what you want. Yes, there is something to be said for like giving up everything for the sake of pursuing the art that you have. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also something really fucking noble about look being able to look at yourself honestly. And I mean, I, I don't mean to like call you up personally, but like looking at yourself honestly and saying like, okay, so there is a there is a threshold for which I'm willing to make compromises, and then I'm willing to like cut out of my life. But like ultimately, there is a stability that I mean, I'm not going to call her out by name or anything, but like there is like a there is a baseline that like you are not willing to compromise for the sake of pursuing your career because you know that there's like this fundamental like thing that is providing you a foundation that you need in order to be able to pursue your art in as far as you are willing to take it without compromising that foundation. I totally get it. I totally see what you're saying. And what I'm talking about here is the medium itself. Stand-up comedy in general is an art form that you have to practice in front of audiences. You have to find shows. You have to be able to do it live over and over you know you can say as much jokes as you want in front of the mirror but you're getting no response you can you know uh write a song you can speak into a microphone you can do all this sort of thing but when you're a stand-up comedian and you're only working like one or two nights a week there's no way to really progressively like grind that's all i'm saying I'm not taking away from anyone's art or passion or anything like that. I'm not, again, not saying giving up on your dreams, (laughs) but I'm saying that, like, you have to be able to create the environment and the atmosphere that you live in to pursue that. You have, like, there's no um, painter who doesn't have an easel, right? Your easel, unfortunately, as a stand-up comic is an audience you have to have that sturdy build to show you like when you take a step back from it what you've created what the response was what what this turns out to be okay yeah and i guess <laughs> yeah i guess your beautiful artwork uh, no, metaphor I mean, is pretty good but no i mean i'm trying to meet you par- <laughs> I, I i'm trying to meet I, you I, i'm I, trying to meet you part way and i guess ultimately like if anybody's going to come away from this conversation and this special with anything mm-hmm. is just like, fine, pursuing happiness may seem ultimately pretty fucking hollow, but 
if you can find a way to just like temper your expectations enough to be able to recognize what you need in order to fulfill yourself artistically while also making sure that you're taken care of as a person from the ground up, then there is nothing fucking wrong with going for that. Oh, absolutely. And that's the whole thing is what I'm saying is define happiness at that end bit that he does on the piano to just the Netflix audience, as far as we know, is define happiness. What does that question mean to you? What what does it even mean to say, are you happy? That's what he's saying. And it's like, define your happiness. Pursue it. Find it. It's right and it's wrong. Deal with that. Because that's reality versus happiness. It's the, it's the same thing. That's what he's trying to say. There's artifice, which is happiness. There's reality, which is reality. And you put them together. It's, it's trying to work it out for what's best for you. So if that if that's how you define your happiness by being a sage performer or by being a Instagram model or by being you know whatever it is you do define your happiness make it work for you and realize that it's not everything that there's more I just want to thank you for having this conversation with me and for introducing for me sure. to this special no, that and sick. like yeah. this is this has been such a pleasure to to sit with you and to be able to have this conversation and to kind of understand you a bit better and is there anywhere that people can find you that that you want to like tell any people i mean you can tell anybody see about- some some dank tweets at uh kev insights whatever on twitter um but screw that i don't care about twitter followers how about you come out if you're in london ontario we've got a uh awesome uh, comedy show uh, last Tuesday of every month at the Roxbury. Um, just Google it, whatever. If you're around town, it's always good times. Other than that, I'm just keeping it low key, dude. Oh uh, man, thank you. Like honestly, thank you so fucking dude, much. Dude, it was like, so I've, good. I've I want to come back. Like, let me. Oh back shit! And we'll, uh, we'll it looks like we're out of time. Uh, I mean, not tonight. To... You d- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all she wrote for this episode of the Netflix podcast. If you liked what you heard today, head on over to netflix.ca to check out the rest of our content, including show notes. If you check out the notes for today, you can find links off to Kevin's Twitter page that he very humbly half promoted. I've linked off to my review of Anthony Jeselnik's Thoughts and Prayers. As well, you can find the comedy organization that Kevin is a part of linked off to their Facebook page where they're always sharing all the events that they have coming up, including their monthly open mics. If you are lucky enough to be listening to this episode on the day that it comes out, you can actually check out one of those tonight at the Roxbury. Chances are you are not listening to that and you should travel back in time and see it because it was a great show. You can find Netflix on all sorts of social media. We are on Facebook as Netflix, on Twitter at Netflix Pod, and we're on SoundCloud and Instagram as Netflix Podcast. If you're looking to find me, you can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram as Dylan Clark Moore. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to tell everybody you know about it, even if it does seem like a daunting task. I do want you to hunt down every single person you know and tell them about this show. 
If you're feeling shy and don't want to do that, you can head to whatever podcast platform you use to listen to this episode and give us a rating, a review, a share, anything that feels appropriate. And if you want to go above and beyond, you can contribute directly to Netflix by way of our Patreon campaign. Patreon allows you to contribute as little as $1 a month to keep the wheels on this whole thing. So if that sounds like something you're interested in doing, head to patreon.com and search for Netflix, or you can head straight to netflix.ca and hit the support Netflix button at the top of our homepage. This podcast is produced and edited by yours truly, and the music was provided by Zach Moore. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Netflix podcast and be sure to join me here next time for a whole different conversation about a whole different movie from the Netflix catalog. Because even if you think you've seen it all, you ain't streamed nothing yet.